Hello and welcome to People, Places, Power with me, Nick Cole. And me, Simon Anhold. In this podcast, we talk about issues of international reputation, foreign policy, and a few other things along the way. And today we're going to address one of the big uh, issues in international relations right now, uh, and that is the um, situation in Afghanistan, particularly the image of Afghanistan. So um, to get things rolling, Simon, uh, I assume that you've never looked or included Afghanistan on the nation brands index, but have you ever looked at it in, 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 good country, in the good country index to look at what Afghanistan is, is contributing to the, to the world? Um, yes, to, 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 uh, to both, or rather no to the first and yes to the second. Um, we have never included Afghanistan in the Nation Brands Index, although it's actually worth um, debating, I think, what purpose that would serve. We can perhaps come back to that. Um, it has made it into the Good Country Index on one or two occasions. Um, the last one I've got in mind was in edition 1.2, which must have been around about um, 2016, when it came uh, last, it came 163rd out of 163 countries um, in a close tie with Libya. So d- just to be clear, we do make a choice about which countries to include in the Nation Brands Index, which, um, as you and many of our listeners will be aware, is a measure of public opinion about countries. The Good Country Index, we don't make a choice. We try to include every country and important territory on earth. The only ones that get excluded are the ones for which there is not enough data to give them a fair ranking. Mm-hmm. So only on that uh, one occasion, I think, um, did Afghanistan, um, uh, what was enough information produced about Afghanistan across our 35 data sets for us to be able to actually give it an overall ranking. And, and yes, it, it came in last. So relative to the size of its economy, of all the countries we measured, uh, it was the country that contributed least outside its borders. Not at all surprising, of course. Um, and in no sense is that a value judgment. The opposite of a good country isn't a bad country. Uh, but this was a country that was unable uh, to contribute anything outside its own borders because, of course, uh, it had so much to worry about within its borders. Inside, right. Um, right. Well, you know, when I, when I look when I look at Afghanistan as a historian, I'm really struck by the way in which uh, Afghanistan seems like a place that carries a very negative brand. I, I remember in the 1990s, uh, immediately after the end of the war, and perhaps because of the end of the war with the Soviet Union, uh, that people would talk about Afghanistan as the graveyard of empires, Mm. uh, as if um, the defeat of the Soviets was due primarily to the terrain and uh, some kind of barbaric nature of the the, uh, people there, rather than uh, strategic decisions that were taken on either either side of the conflict. And I think that that a uh, predetermined idea of Afghanistan uh, was uh, a, a, a problem and um, can be traced in uh, policy responses to Afghanistan and a reluctance of uh, Western governments to support 
the new government in Afghanistan uh, as it was then and uh, to allow uh, the Taliban to move forward, uh, not to be uh, outraged when uh, monuments were threatened and then just only really notice once the monuments are actually destroyed. I'm thinking here about the um, uh, the Bamyan uh, uh, Buddhas. And uh, right the way through the 90s, you can see the indicators about Afghanistan getting uh, worse and worse and worse, but still um, a an arm's length uh, approach to the country. Uh, when other places, I think, were got a, a more um, a more sympathetic, um, a more a, a more sympathetic um, uh, treatment. Um, so, uh, and unfortunately, what's happened now is that the graveyard of empires uh, stereotype has been uh, has been confirmed uh, in people in in. Uh, in people's minds, hmm. I, th- I mean, it's it's worth looking at the causes of all of that, isn't it? And um, my impression of Afghanistan um, has always been um, that this is a country which has never really been um, a, a a member of the community of nation states. In many ways, it's a it's a throwback to an earlier period uh, prior to the to the invention of the nation state. Um, and that's not to criticize it in any sense. It has just resisted um, that um, uh, th- that um, tendency for territories to form themselves into modern nation states. And the reason for that is very largely territorial. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I went to Kabul and hours and hours of flying first over a very empty part of Iran and then over Afghanistan itself. And you look out of the window and you might be looking at another planet. It's beautiful, but it's savage and empty. And Mm -hmm. there are almost no human habitations to be spotted. Every now and again, you see from 30,000 feet something that might just be a village or a town between these great deep folds between the mountains. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself wondering, how did people ever settle there? How do they even ever get in or out? And what mm-hmm. communities there are in Afghanistan, it's hardly in Afghanistan. It's hardly surprising that they tend to be um, clusters and groups of more or less disparate uh, tribes. And there's no particular reason why that should have changed uh, since <laughs> the 18th century or the 19th century. And I think Afghanistan has never really wanted to be a nation state, has never felt itself to be a nation state, and has resisted the attempts of colonizing powers to turn it into a nation mm-hmm. state. Well, quite often you find with countries that the principal thing that gets people energized is an external enemy, mm. and uh, you know you can see how that figured in the um, in in the nineteen eighties that uh, what the Soviets provided was somebody for Afghans to be uh, against and to yeah. actually find a commonality that might otherwise um, not have existed. Mm. There's there's a saying among. Um, uh, historians that oh the mountains came first mm. then the people uh, you hear mm. it about the the, the uh, Balkans and mm. um, I'm, I'm struck by the way in which other uh, places in the world uh, with that kind of terrain also have uh, tremendous um, uh, cultural um, 
uh, you know, you can see survival of culture there long after uh, it might be washed away in other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, exactly, you know, exactly as you're saying, with you know, distinct cultures in in uh, particular valleys and. Uh, and, and and so forth, and whether you're looking at explanations for uh, Switzerland or or um, or the, the uh, uh, geography of the Balkans, the human geography of the Balkans, or uh, for heaven's sake, Wales, you mm. know, <laughs> you go to North Wales, and uh, you wouldn't think that it's been um, uh, politically incorporated into. Uh, the United Kingdom with English language domination for um, uh, 800 years. Yes, uh, so, um, you know, it, uh, it's not surprising that we have this um, uh, nature uh, of uh, Afghan life. But what can Afghanistan uh, do about it now? Mm. Um, and what would you or what, what can we recommend that... Um, uh, leaders in Afghanistan who are there or people outside Afghanistan who want people to care about Afghanistan mm. how should they talk about the uh, how should they talk about the country well you're predictably my answer to that is they shouldn't talk they should do um, right. um, because uh, well of course Afghanistan is in a rather privileged position at the moment in the sense that um, if it does talk people will listen um, and that's rarely been true for Afghanistan throughout its history. Right now, uh, it is in the limelight. And every utterance that comes from the Taliban leadership um, gets poured over in minute detail. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's kind of unusual. Um, and it's kind of, a, kind of an opportunity. Um, what is, I think we all of us find very encouraging is the fact that the, uh, the Taliban leadership um, have clearly perceived the need for them to engage with the international community. Um, of course, they want to do that on their own terms. Who wouldn't? Um, any nation wants to do that. Um, but it's very clear that they need to do so because this is a very poor country. Um, and it's a country without much infrastructure. It's a country um, with enormous needs. It was always a tragedy that um, the the root of the West's modern interest in Afghanistan uh, was 9-11. And Mm -hmm. therefore, Afghanistan has always been framed as a military problem. And Mm -hmm. in reality, um, what what I perceived when I was working in Afghanistan is that the military are um, very often the most competent players um, in any uh, given situation. And it's not surprising, mm-hmm. therefore, that the scenario ends up getting um, configured as a military scenario. It was very, mm-hmm. very obvious to me that this was not about war and it wasn't about conflict, it was about development. Mm-hmm. And if the development agencies of all the well-meaning Western partners in the ISAF forces had had the competence and the organizational abilities of the military, then it might mm-hmm. have turned out very differently. But I have to say, in, in, in defense of the, of the military, of most of the countries that I met, as is so often the case with the military, they were the last people to want conflict. Um, modern militaries uh, are not uh, in business because they want to kill people or get killed. They're in business because they want to prevent that. And it was mm-hmm. nearly always the military who were the ones who were saying, how can we reach peace? How can we achieve development? How can we help the Afghans um, achieve 
uh, self um, self uh, purpose and self knowledge and self uh, identification and self sufficiency. Um, we didn't succeed. We pulled out too soon. Um, I think it needed a great many more years um, to make the uh, Afghan police and the Afghan military uh, able um, to fully manage the security issues in their country. But I think that if it had been formulated at an earlier stage as what it truly is, which is a development problem, um, then perhaps uh, things would have turned out differently. Mm-hmm. And it's Afghan, Afghanistan's tragedy to be at a kind of crossroads and to be relevant to uh, so many um, of, of, of its neighbours. Sure. And, uh, you know, we're still seeing a, a variety of the so-called great game uh, mm-hmm. played between empires in the 19th century on the, in the territory of, uh, of, of Afghanistan. Yes. Its location is uh, is its problem. The um, uh, but when when we look at the um, uh, the failure of uh, Afghanistan of the Western intervention in Afghanistan, hmm. do you think that is going to become a an impediment in the images of countries that were that were involved right now? Um, there's a feeling in the United States, uh, if you read the, Amer- the American newspapers, that the United States has been humiliated mm. in Afghanistan. There were a lot of um, uh, newspapers and websites that ran next to one another an image of the American withdrawal from Saigon, the helicopter taking off from Saigon and the helicopter taking off, the last helicopter taking off from the U.S. compound in, in Kabul. Yeah. Um uh, do you think those? Um, do you think that there will be a, an analogous? Um, well, actually, that gets into another question: whether there was a dip in the reputation of the United States following the withdrawal from Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there was. I think the dip was during when the United States was mismanaging the war in Vietnam. That's what people didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, do you think this is actually? a crisis in the image of the United States, uh, will we see a, um, a tail off this time next year uh, when mm. you're putting together the Nation Brands Index 2022? Mm. Do you expect the United States to be a little bit lower because it's associated with the uh, war in Afghanistan? Um, very likely, but I doubt whether it'll last very long uh, because in the end, uh, what what makes people change their minds about countries is when countries change their behavior, um, when they behave out of character for right. a sufficiently long period for people to realize that they really have got to change their views. And um, getting uh, stuck into messy overseas wars is not a <laughs> behavior for the United States. No, that's right. It's kind of the, uh, it's the, the, what do you call it? The interventionist hokey cokey where they, they put the army in and they pull the army out. And, right. uh, and, and it, that's really the story of American foreign policy in the 20th century. So uh, I agree that it doesn't, uh, for outsiders, it doesn't seem like an extraordinarily unusual um, American behavior. None, nonetheless, it, it looks pretty much like business as usual. On the other hand, uh, the counter story to that is that, and we discussed this in a previous edition when we were talking about Israel and Palestine, um, public opinion internationally, it seems, cannot tolerate conflict. 
and mm. there's no question at all and it's something that countries should bear in mind when they go uh, getting embroiled um, in overseas wars that some of that splashes onto their image as well um, mm -hmm. public opinion doesn't sit down in judgment on the warring parties in conflicts and say I like this country because they are doing the right thing and I dislike that country because it's uh, because it's the guilty party. We don't see it like that. We just see who's involved and we downgrade them. So mm -hmm. there's no question that the United States and some of the other uh, more prominent players in the in the ISAF forces are, are splashed by the mud mm -hmm. that comes up uh, from from a from a messy war. It doesn't last long, but it's a thing to bear in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I suppose the, the most amount of mud, of course, has been splashed on Afghanistan itself uh, right. because on top of everything else we spoke about, um, that makes a bad thing worse. The other rule about country image is that it tends to join up with other things to produce a direction getting better or getting worse. It's very rare for any individual incident to change the direction of a country. So insofar as people are becoming around the world becoming less and less convinced that america is a nation to be trusted or to be followed this mm -hmm. will be i don't want to say another nail in its coffin because that's hysterical but um another another kick in a downhill direction for uh, for, for views of america if this yeah. had occurred during <clears throat> period where America's image was on the rise, then it might have had no effect or for all I know, even a positive effect. But because the mm -hmm. current traje trajectory is downwards, bad news for America. And because the current trajectory of Afghanistan is also downwards and has been for several centuries, bad news for Afghanistan. So um, what, what I'm asking myself here is for the Afghan population, who've now paradoxically thanks to um, the Western occupation for all of these years, begun to have a tantalizing vision of what the what, what living in the modern world might feel like. Might be like, yes. What that brings you in terms of education for your children and particularly for your girl children, uh, in terms of, yes, let's be simple about it, the availability of um, modern goods and products and services, the ability to earn an honest living, um, not merely by participating in the heroin trade, uh, all of these, this wonderful glimpse of what being part of a modern day nation state might, might actually provide mm -hmm. for its citizens. And after that brief glimpse, they're now looking at a, what looks as if it might be um, quite a dramatic step backwards into the right. 13th century. So what's the prospect for the Afghan people? Not great, unless the Taliban agree with that and feel and care genuinely, which perhaps they do for the well-being of the Afghan population and really want to do the right thing for them, which would be some form of gentle movement towards engaging with the international community. And what we'll probably find is that there is some Taliban who wants to engage and want a kind of Taliban 2.0 and mm. other Taliban who uh, want to... Uh, you know, a party like it's 1299. Uh, and, you know, we're going to uh, see a, uh, you can al already see some power struggles uh, within the uh, presidential uh, palace uh, as, it, as, it, uh, as it was. I think when it, when it comes to the, ga the, the game of looking for uh, external uh, image uh, gains and losses. It mm. strikes me that so many of the Western countries were also involved in Afghanistan mm. that I can't see that the US will 
decline relative to Germany or France or Britain or the Nordics who were involved there or, or, or Canada. Uh, but I, I think that the image of the um, demo- democracy as a whole, uh, mm. the image of uh, Western uh, developmentalism um, is is damaged. And so uh, maybe we all lose something. Uh, I don't think it's plausible that uh, Putin can say, uh, 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 make that much hay from it, but he can say, you see, um, their claims are not... Um, don't check out. Uh, they they have not got the magic answers, mm. and so you know my sense of who has most to gain from all this is uh, China. Yes, uh, and um, this is uh, a, a, what what has happened in Afghanistan plays directly into China's um, narrative, and their um, uh, it, it must surely help their. Uh, presence in in uh, in the region absolutely and and non-interference in the in the sovereign affairs of other states um, so much that happens these days um, is, um, is is favorable to to China's uh, strategy or appears to be um, the difference of course since part of our, our subject here is always uh, is, is always perceptions of countries. China, what China does not have these days, it has the it has the power to improve countries' economies. It has the power uh, to kickstart development in other countries, which is of course incredibly important. What it doesn't have is the power to make countries liked or popular, um, and that's a power that America, to some extent, does have. Um, America is a country that people still look up to. It's a country that still has enormous cultural influence around the world, and if America so chooses. Uh, it has the power uh, to, um, to to encourage people to approve of a country. I don't think China mm-hmm. does have that power, except, of course, amongst its own very substantial population. Um, perhaps that doesn't matter, bearing in mind what I said earlier and what I firmly believe, that um, what uh, Afghanistan needs more than almost anything else at the moment is uh, economic development, new sources mm-hmm. of revenue infrastructure it, it needs to move into something more closely resembling the 20th century than the century it's living in now and china's a good partner to do that um, china has the capability as we've seen in africa and in other parts of the world uh, to move in and to build roads and to build railways um, and when when i was in uh, afghanistan quite a few years ago now uh, i remember saying that actually it looked to me as if from all the attempts that various countries were making to help afghanistan Actually, the most helpful ones were the ones that simply made it into a normal, normal modern country, where mm-hmm. uh, and you know, much as much as one may have environmental concerns about uh, modernizing and industrializing countries, nonetheless, from the social point of view, that's what Afghanistan needs more than anything else. The people there have the desire and the right to live modern lives if that's what they want, and China can provide that. Um, so I'm, I'm not so uh, so so horrified by the prospect of uh, the Chinese government and the Taliban uh, talking about their future alliance. It may well turn out to be um, the best medicine for Afghanistan in the shorter term. Well, I'm sure some somebody would say, "Hey, well, it's their turn. Everybody else has had a go. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, let them um, let them see if they can um, fix it." Uh, th- th- maybe um, 
you know the answer to this, but it occurred to me that from the Taliban's point of view, they are uh, exercising um, soft power, uh, that their uh, beliefs uh, in their own terms are admirable, and they will be hoping that uh, people of the same belief uh, around the world will admire them and will uh, help them. And um, uh, though I'm sure that they are, uh, they they wouldn't uh, uh, take those uh, positions simply to please an international audience. They must be assuming that there will be a, an international upside uh, in in some quarters. Do you have a sense of how the international uh, uh, ummah, um, the community of uh, global Islam, is responding to to the the Taliban? Are there places in the world where people are saying, "Oh, good on them! Uh, great to see you know the tr- traditional values being honoured uh, somewhere in the world"? Um, well, I I haven't looked at the data yet, and 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 it's it's certainly an interesting question. Um, with the Nation Brands Index, um, one of the questions that we do ask in many of the countries where we where we do the field work is what people's self declared religion is. So it is possible for us to separate. Um, Muslim views from Christian Jews, from Jewish views and so forth, where people declare it, which they mostly do. Um, and so that would be an interesting little study to to carry out. I think it likely um, that m- most Muslims around the world um, are hoping that this experiment will succeed um, and don't see it as a uh, don't, don't see the departure of, of uh, American forces as a disaster or a catastrophe, nor do they see the arrival of a Taliban government as a disaster or a catastrophe. Um, they may well be as anxious as anybody else about whether it'll work or not, whether the Taliban actually have the capability um, and, and indeed sufficient common purpose to govern a country, because as you referred to earlier, to talk about the Taliban as if they were a tightly knit group is clearly a mistake. Um, it's still very divided. Um, and. Uh, Quite a lot of the, uh, the the Taliban are just eighteen year olds with Kalashnikovs, mm-hmm. so we don't we don't really know um, what its style of governance will be because it's got an awful lot of um, work to do on internal cohesion before it even starts thinking about governing. Um, but generally speaking, um, I can only talk about my own view. My own view is that um, uh, if it were uh, all, all this is going to depend very much on what we see of images of the Afghan people in the coming years. And mm-hmm. if what we see is uh, violence, poverty, inequality, and a suffering population, um, mm-hmm. then I think public opinion, uh, Muslim as well as non-Muslim, will turn against them. If, on the other hand, we start to see um, the opposite, if we start to see progress and development, um, then uh, I hope that everybody will be happy about it. So there's a, an interesting question there about who will control the narrative, um, who will decide which images get out and which is, images are seen, and mm-hmm. which will be the preponderant images, because, of course, the reality is there's going to be a big mixture. And wherever, you, depending on where you go and where you point your camera, no doubt for many years to come, you'll be able to find images of happy Afghans and images of unhappy Afghans. Where is that narrative going to come from? Who's controlling it? Because yes. that will determine whether people are in favor of what's happened or not. 
Yes, and to a you know, as we as we we know uh, there's a tremendous confirmation bias in uh, international perceptions. Mm. So uh, working out what people think is going to happen uh, could be the key to understanding uh, the image of Afghanistan in world affairs. Yes, um, for, for yes, the, the next few years at least. And alongside the confirmation bias, there's also the negativity bias, um, and the two make an unholy pair. Yes, um, well, so m- meaning that people are going to be looking for a bad story, looking for atrocities, looking for um, the the sorts of stories we had in the 1990s uh, of um, gay people being executed by having walls pushed on them, and these these yes. these kind of uh, uh, atrocity stories, which uh, were um, uh, really shocking. Uh, uh, of course, are going to get reported more than. Uh, uh, you could imagine a successful uh, community development project or, 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 or something or operating a, a road or reopening an airport or those yeah. sorts of things. And that's, for, and, that's for, and that's for two reasons, which of course are linked reasons. One is because of the tendency of the media um, to sell the shocking stories, because as people say, the plane crashed is a story, the plane landed safely at the airport is not a story. And that's how uh, the media makes its money but also, on the other hand, um, we, the, um, the audience for the media, are equally complicit is perhaps too strong a word, but we have this negativity bias, which means yes. that bad stories carry more weight. They carry yes. more power. They seize our yes. imaginations in a way that the happy yes. stories sell Yes, and, and th- this is uh, an, uh, 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 part of Afghanistan's problem going Going way back, why in the you know the imperial history class is always included stuff about young husband and humiliation uh, on the battlefields of Afghanistan for the British Empire. There were lots of successes they didn't bother to tell us about. Uh, yes, you know, but, you know the, the, so the, was twas ever uh, twas ever thus. Maybe uh, so to round things off. Then, um, if you could tell the Taliban. To do something, if you could make a policy suggestion to the Taliban uh, in the field of international image, what would you what would you uh, suggest they do? Um, I would suggest that um, I think I'd probably tell them what I tell every country. To be honest with you, Nick, the the the, the data is so clear on this. Um, if you want foreign investment, if you want trade, if you want tourism to come back to Afghanistan, let's not forget what a beautiful country it is. Mm-hmm. Um, then the data is very clear. You can't uh, get that by bragging about how wonderful you are. And particularly in the case of a country with a very weak, very negative image like Afghanistan, it's not going to work. The only thing that does work, the only thing that does get a country a good image is contributing something to the peace, stability, prosperity, and sustainability of humanity on the planet. Mm -hmm. So try to see if there's a way of becoming a principled member of the international community that doesn't betray your calling, your mission, your beliefs, your culture, if you can square that circle, then the country, the country's image may turn around. And you have the great advantage of being observed by everybody right now. They're looking at everything you do. So everything you do will have a dramatically greater impact than it is for most other countries on the planet. Um, if you can find a meaningful uh, and satisfying accommodation between the kind of Afghanistan that you want, the kind of Afghanistan that Afghans want, and the kind of Afghanistan that the world would like to see, then nothing is in your way. That's right.
Well, we'll have to see whether they can detect that opportunity and, uh, and reach for it. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm still Nick Cull. And I'm still Simon Anhold. <laughs>